Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Don Callahan talking UNC football. Don, we uh, are also joined today by one of our favorite people in the world. I'll go ahead and uh, throw that out there. It is the one and only Buck Sanders. Hey guys, good to be with you. It's always good to be with with Buck. I and know. you know, we always kind of talk about our um, what's going on with our lives, John and I. So I think it's uh, only proper to hear what's going on in Buck's life. Okay, I'll be happy to do so. Ben and I, Ben Sherman, uh, recently got back from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, where we participated in a twenty four seven sports convention. And uh, people will be pleased to know that Inside Carolina is the leading website on 24-7 sports. And we received lots of kudos there from the uh, assembled publishers and uh, powers that be at 24-7 sports. And by the way, Don, as much as you uh, like to profess your love to me, (laughs) um, I had a uh, about a 15-minute conversation with Brian Doan for people that don't know, he covers like the uh, Atlantic Coast region, uh, sort of stopping at the South Carolina border northward. And Brian shared with me about uh, 10 times the information that Don typically shares with me. <laughs> so uh, Don holds his cars pretty close to his chest, and uh, but Brian <laughs> just emptied his uh, suitcase for me and uh, gave me some info while I was talking with him, although Don never does. He, he well, leaves uh, me in the just, dark. Just to be clear, I might not empty out my suitcase, but I certainly empty out my heart for Buck Sanders. Cause... That's a pretty good cover-up there, but uh, I'm just saying. Don's got those the sources, Buck. I mean, he can't give them up. It's like, uh, you know, it's like the uh, news reporters. You can never give up the source. I'm not asking for sources. I'm asking for the scoop. And well, Plus, Don, that was like kind Don of your first date. To himself. That was kind of like he your first date with, with, with Brian. So he's trying to impress you. Uh, well, he did a good job. No, Brian's Brian's a good guy. We actually have had him on on the podcast, and he was he was great. I mean, he knows when it comes to that region. I don't think there's anybody who's better in that region as far as knowing what's going on, having sources. I mean, if Brian doesn't know something within a couple of hours, he can find out the answer for me because he has so many sources and knows the coaches all up, high school coaches all up in there. I've known Brian for a very long time now. He used to run the Rutgers site years ago uh, on the Scout Network. So we we have a relationship that goes back a ways. And we can look into getting Brian you know, back on the podcast, I'd say maybe over the summer, Don, because, yeah, he was a great guy to talk to. Um, really had his finger on the pulse of you know, what's UNC's main kind of footprint as far as recruiting goes. You know, I'll go ahead and use that to transition, I guess, to the topic that we were going to focus on today, which was the overall recruiting class. I mean, 
uh, there was the news that broke yesterday for those that you know who obviously can't see us right now we're recording early Thursday morning so Carolina did get their fourth commit of the class just yesterday Don and I will talk about that one at some point probably over the weekend but you know overall this class has had kind of a little bit of a different vibe to it. Um, I think, Buck, you, you made the point that this one just, you know, it feels a little bit unique. Why did you think that, though? Because, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's just, I don't know, it, it is something that just seems a little different about this year. Well, uh, let, let's start here. And apologies in advance to Don, because this is uh-huh. not really a, a slam on him in any way. Uh-oh. Uh, but uh, let's go back to... March 21st, 50 days ago, Don releases his mock class 1.0, 2019. I know, I know. I did an awful job with it as far as my projections. (laughs) And and listen, Don covers the UNC football recruiting beat better than anybody. There's no question about that. Um, You know, he's been on the job almost 15 years, Don, by my calculations. And, uh, and he's got, you know, uh, he knows every high school coach, everybody has a tremendous amount of respect for the, for the, his work ethic. I'm writing a column about that this morning or work ethic. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) it may be up before this podcast is, or maybe not, but in either case, um, I'm sitting at one of the old recruiting weekend hangouts, Bailey's uh, a few years back. And, you know uh, Bailey's is gone. Yeah, I do. I do. It's a shame, but uh, maybe somebody else will step in and uh, fire that place back up or put something else in there. But in any event, you know, uh, John Shoup, the offensive coordinator, came by our table where Don and I were and said, uh, "There's the hardest working man in the business," and you know, said hello to Don. And it's true. I mean, wherever North Carolina recruits are or potential recruits are. Don is going to be the guy that UNC staff sees while they're there trying to evaluate him more often than not. So after all of that praise, (laughs) here comes the the but, yeah, but, yeah, but, okay. So in his mock class 1.0, half of North Carolina's current verbal commitments was nowhere on Don's radar just 50 days ago, which in itself is very unusual. And, and, helps give this start to the this recruiting cycle. Well, it's not really the start. It's been going on for a while now. But it, it gives the start a little bit of a different flavor than we're used to seeing. And, and I think that may have to do with several things. For starters, North Carolina has several new members of its staff this year, uh, including Tommy Thigpen, Luke Paschal, Gillespie, Baker, those guys that are – they bring with them their own sort of Rolodex of recruits and people that they know and contacts they can re- reach out to. And, and so, you know, we look at this class and, and, in, and in fact, uh, Brian Dome was the one that broke the news to me that Giovanni Biggers was more than likely going to choose UNC. Never got that from Don, but Brian told me. Uh, so, um, you know, guys that previously, you know, guys that may not be on UNC's radar at all may show up on their radar 
and and I think that gives this class a different vibe. And the fact that there are, you know, as I said, several new coaches, and and they don't have relative to the ACC as many recruits as many other schools. They only have four. I think eight more ACC schools have more verbal commitments than UNC does. So I, I think there's probably more behind the scene. I'm not hiding anything, but I think behind the scenes, there's more going on than perhaps we even realize in terms of uh, changes in the way they're doing the recruiting and uh, prospects they're looking at that, uh, for all intents and purposes, were off our radar not that very long ago. No, I agree with what Buck's saying. The other thing I will add into that is that different coaches have different wants in a recruit for their particular position. Um, I, I, I'm getting the feel that, um, like Henry Baker, for example, really likes those taller, longer cornerbacks, whereas Terry Joseph, who coached the DBs, which obviously includes the cornerbacks, last year, he his pref he didn't really have a preference. His philosophy was he liked a lot of uh, DBs, different sizes and different shapes and different abilities, so that you kind of have a lot of, um, I guess, different weapons in your arsenal, not not necessarily just you know one type of um, of player. So there's there's that aspect of it where you know different coaches look for different things in in prospects. I think that's a very big point that maybe the message board's not really talking about too much, Don. And it might just be because we don't really know these new coaches very well in terms of, you know, what they might be looking for under Coach Fedora. The staff is very new, as Buck just mentioned. And yeah, I mean, guys and coaches are going to value players and certain aspects very differently, um, even, you know, within the, the same conference. So yeah, I do think that that's what you're seeing because, from from what you kind of you know saw behind the scenes, the safety commit Giovanni Biggers was he really even on the radar that much? Maybe like what a month ago or, or so. Well, he was offered in late March, and then visited. I think it was like a week or so later, and then obviously he returned um, towards the end of April for the cookout, which essentially kind of sealed the deal. Um, I mean, he wanted to just double check. You make sure, you know, Rutgers didn't have something all that much better, although he kind of felt like it wasn't going to be the case. But he wanted to, you know, I guess for his own peace of mind, visit Rutgers one last time before he made a decision. And he was considering visiting a couple other schools. But um, I think once he kind of started to think about it a little bit more and more, um, he just came back to North Carolina. But, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who who was just offered recently, offered after the entire staff was filled out. And so um, I think it's safe to say that, you know, he – might not have been recruited underneath the previous staff, or we don't, we don't know if he would have been recruited underneath the previous staff. Hmm. Well, there you go, Buck. There's a little bit of a tidbit that Don just dropped for us. Yeah. And, um, you know, to some extent, John, you were saying that uh, we don't really know much about the new guys, but there's one we do know quite a bit about. Um, and that's Tommy Thigpen. And he's an interesting a story to say the least. I mean, he was, I first met him, I think, when he was a, a graduate assistant on Carl Torbush's staff. This was even before Don Callahan's time. So, uh, you know, I, I met him at uh, some function 
during, uh, I think, immediately after Torbush took over, close to it. And, and Tommy was part of a lot of uh, Mac Brown's uh, recruiting in terms of, uh, you know, he played for Mac Brown. He knew their philosophy. He knew what how they approached it. And he was around a bunch of guys that were recruited by Mac Brown on the same teams that were very defensive oriented. They had a lot of uh, elite defensive players on those teams, Tommy being one of them. And, you know, then with the Torbush's staff, um, you know, as a graduate assistant, I guess, for a couple of years, um, he, he was around, you know, during that period of time before he moved on to being a uh, position coach and then came back to North Carolina with Butch Davis. And, uh, you know, you, you just take a walk down memory lane to like 2008 when he was a big part of that, that class, you know, they, they had guys on that class, like, you know, Zach Brown, Kevin Reddick, uh, you know, guys like that, Quentin Copels, uh, that, you know, he was around when those guys were being recruited on the defensive side of the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, one of the criticisms, although I, I don't completely buy into it, particularly on the defensive line, is that North Carolina hasn't recruited elite players um, on defense the way they have offensive players. But. Uh, you know, Tommy, I think, may change that vibe because I, I think he probably identifies more with um, elite defensive players, and they probably identify more with him. So, you know, that's going to be interesting. That The fact that they don't have Gunnar Brewer any longer on the staff and that Luke Pascal has taken his place, we've yet to see how that's going to play out, although Don will probably back me up that, most people or recruits that prospects that have come through the system usually say good things about Luke. Uh, so, and, and the one thing about Luke is that uh, Gunnar Brewer has been a wide receiver coach under every regime you can possibly think of. And in terms of the different styles of play, uh, he was an assistant under John Bunning, I think for a while. And then, you know, obviously he went on to Ole Miss was there for a while, and and then uh, uh, he went to Oklahoma. Maybe he went to Oklahoma State first, and then to mm -hmm. Ole Miss. And so he's played under a variety of different offensive schemes. But Luke Pascal is virtually a evangelist for spread offenses. Grew up in a spread offense. Has always coached in spread offenses as a graduate assistant under Larry Fedora. Uh, with Blake Anderson out at Arkansas State. So so he's a disciple and an advocate for the kind of offense that Fedora runs. So, and obviously much younger than Gunnar Brewer um, and maybe has a little bit more energy as young guys tend to do, although Don has, has kind of hit that age where, you know, he's starting to slow down a little bit now. <laughs> but anyway, I think it's a different dynamic in the building there and how they're approaching it and how they're evaluating players and what they're looking for uh, is going to make this, this year different and interesting, I think, as it goes. Uh, typically, they get a lot of big names early 
but that's not what you're seeing. You're, you know, even though they're, you know, hot on the trail of some uh, big name prospects, uh, Biggers and Allen, uh, the two recent recruits of which we, you know, recently came on the radar not that long ago, are typically kind of the guys that North Carolina is going to sign more in September or October. Um, so it, I think it's this year for a lot of reasons does have a different vibe to it. Yeah. Let me throw something out there though. When, when I had learned the, the topic that we were going to talk about, I did a little bit of research. So a year ago today, we'll just say, I, I basically went and looked back the last couple of classes and how many commits UNC end up signing and how many commits they had before June. Cause I feel like June's kind of a good, good line there that we can um, focus on. So a year ago today, UNC had five commits. Um, four of them end up sticking. The, the fifth was uh, Peyton Wilson. Um, right now we have four. So it's not all that far off from a year ago. Now, two years ago, UNC had eight. Only five of them end up sticking. Um, Ryan Jones decommitted. Tyler Smith, um, you know, he had the great issues. Um, Adarius Lemons, he, uh, he ended up decommitting in the, in the uh, summer. And then three years ago, UNC had four. I'm not disagreeing with the feel. Um, we could talk about the feel a little bit more, but I think the numbers are kind of matching up somewhat, maybe on, on the the shorter side of things. But um, for how many commits UNC has had the last uh, few recruiting classes, it's it's pretty much pretty much in line for the most part. But I definitely agree the feel is different, and I think a lot of it is because of you know the the new coaches that are on staff and losing Brewer putting aside just what he has done on the recruiting trail he probably had the loudest voice in recruiting meetings than any other coach from my understanding because of the fact he's, he's a very um uh how do I how do I describe this I mean he's a very forward opinionated. guy opinionated opinionated yeah, opinionated. He's not afraid to kind of speak his mind. He's not afraid if he, if he feels like one of his guys deserves an offer. Um, you know, a, a great example is um, when UNC accepted the commitment of Austin Prohl. UNC was full at wide receiver. You know, their numbers, they were way full. And there was just, uh, really, there was just no way that he could add a, a receiver. But he pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally, I guess Fedora relented and gave him his scholarship spot or uh, I'm sure it's something had opened up that I kind of allowed it, but obviously that ended up working out for North Carolina because Pearl was a, was a great receiver for four years, you know, minus the, the injury uh, for North Carolina. But yeah, so, so you don't have that voice anymore. Who's kind of, you know, I guess helping steer the ship, the ship. I wouldn't say he was steering the ship at all, but I mean, he kind of um, had a, had a pretty big impact. So so, it's, so there is it is a little different feel because of that. And then you have the new blood of Tommy Thigpen and, and Gillespie and Luke Haskell and Baker. I mean, and all these guys are just so different. And they're, and they're guys who aren't being brought in. I mean, they're good coaches, but they're not being brought in because their coaches are being brought in because of their recruiting ability. Don, if I can jump in for a second, John, before you get to your next question. Yeah, you're, I, I'm not. I wasn't necessarily looking at the numbers um, mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, where they are today as opposed to at this point in the past over the last several years. And, and I could be wrong about this, but 
it, it seems to me that those four or five guys they've had in previous years, they've all been four-star guys or close to it. And Yeah, no, you're right. You're right about that. And and to this day, to this point, they have no four-star players. And mm-hmm. and the vibe that I've gotten in the past, although they, they switched up a little bit uh, last year, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but the vibe I've gotten in the past from UNC recruiting is that they're going to land a handful of elite prospects early by this time in the recruiting cycle. You know, they're, they're going to get some big names that make big splashes and, you know, can be kind of uh, the uh, banner waiver for the class and, and all that sort of thing. The guys that they've signed so far, and, and certainly no offense to Alan Smith or Giovanni Biggers or Coleman Reich, any of those guys who, and, you know, Reich actually committed you know, going almost a year ago, but that those guys are players that you typically don't see North Carolina sign at this point. You know, there, there could be exceptions, but you know, they're more like guys that you see sign in September or October. So that's where I was getting that part of the different vibe. And, and I'm not sure, um, you know what's behind all that you know we're not hiding anything here if we took we knew we'd tell you but one of the things that i think maybe they're counting on a little bit is that the indoor practice facility opens i think september 1st or that's the plan right now and when they start hosting recruits for home games certainly that's going to be one of the major attractions they're going to use to try to get people to that weren't considering UNC to consider it or were considering UNC and were close to, to make pull the trigger. Uh, that's going to be a huge selling point, I think. And at least I'm confident that the staff sees it as a huge selling point. And then, you know, I think the stadium upgrades, the seating and all that will make an impression. So I don't know if more than usual, they're counting on those, uh, football Saturdays recruiting efforts to be more uh, yield more results than they have in the past. Not that they haven't really yielded results, but I think they're maybe banking on that period of time during the football season to, to really uh, establish the identity of this class and how it will ultimately shake out. You took the words right out of my mouth, Buck, when talking about the recruiting rankings, because as you mentioned, you know, I think that out of those five guys that Don said UNC had committed last June, if my memory serves, I think four of them were four stars, at least three. And if you're looking at the ACC recruiting rankings as they stand right now, and, you know, it's the usual top three, Florida State, Clemson, Miami. I mean, those three schools are always going to recruit the best in the ACC. But surprisingly, at the number four spot right now is Duke, and they have two four-star commits. Now, granted, those are two guys that, you know, Don's written some stories on about how, you know, likely it might end up being that those guys stick with Duke. But either way, right now, you know, Duke has two four-star guys and UNC has none. And that's not really a situation I think Carolina fans are used to. And that could be due to a lot of factors, and I'm sure it is. You know, Don, do you think that that's 
just kind of how the recruiting cycles going this early on? Or, you know, do you think that maybe the new staff and the departure of Brewer kind of put UNC behind the eight ball, maybe a little bit more than what some people are willing to admit? Yeah, I think we, we can and, and should, um, kind of examine just why it is that North Carolina is in the position that we're, we're, we've been talking about. And I, I don't think it's like one thing, but I think a big part of it is the, the coaching turnover. And while other staffs do experience it, there are some staffs that don't experience it nearly as much as North Carolina has, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, the last few seasons. Uh, you know, what, what are we up to now? Is it four new coaches, four coaching changes from North Carolina this offseason? Well, it's really three, Don, because uh, the fourth the, one yeah, the, was the tenth, the tenth yeah. coach. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the one of the issues is is that with the the early signing day, the signing day in December, what that allowed coaches to do was one kind of focus in a very very small pool of uh, in this year twenty eighteen recruits to, to finish off their class with, but it also allowed for a lot more underclassmen recruiting during the month of January than usual. And for North Carolina, they had three coaches on the road for the entire month of, or for most of the month of, of uh, January recruiting. The only one that really wasn't on the month for the entire month, uh, wasn't really on the road for the entire month was um, uh, Terry Joseph. Um, but those coaches were going to schools, establishing relationships with high school coaches, with recruits, and now they're gone. So, so whatever connection that was made is basically kind of disappeared. And then also UNC had some, some junior days where there were situations where, where a running back, for example, would go to a junior day and UNC hadn't hired Robert Gillespie yet. So that obviously is not, that's not really, um, it's not helping North Carolina's chances with a particular running back. And the other thing that we don't talk about a whole lot is I think North Carolina really got put at a disadvantage by not being able to have a junior day in conjunction with the UNC Duke basketball game. And we've talked about it before in prior podcasts, you know, podcasts a long time ago, but um, the way that the calendar kind of fell, the UNC Duke basketball game in Chapel Hill fell during a football recruiting dead period. So, you know, dead periods mean recruits can't be on campus or they can be on campus. They can't, be on a visit with um, coaches. The coaches can't interact in, in person whatsoever. It's a, it's a, it's a major violation. So, um, and, and that has been a great tool for UNC as far as one, attracting recruits to campus that, you know, big time four-star guys who may, you know, is interested in North Carolina, but, um, but really kind of needed something, that extra push to get them on campus. Um, I, I don't have the information in front of me, but you know, I definitely need to kind of look back and just see how many of those guys end up coming to uh, that, that junior day that end up signing with North Carolina. And yeah, there have been guys in the past who, uh, who come just to go to the basketball game because a free ticket for you know, a, a mega event, um, can, you know, so they can check it off their bucket list. But, um, there are a lot of guys that North Carolina has brought in for that, that, that went on to, uh, sign with with UNC now the good thing is with this class is that North Carolina was able to kind of I don't want to say compensate but they were able to kind of I guess I guess have an event that's close to that with the cookout which I ended up and we we John and I talked about this in, in a prior podcast just um 
uh, a lot of positive feedback, a lot of, you know, a lot of recruits talked about just seeing the coaches from a different angle, seeing them as people and kind of hanging out. And um, that seemed to make a positive impact on, on a lot of the recruits that were there. And there was a few dozen or about a dozen recruits there. And, and all of them were legitimate UNC targets. I'm going to jump back in here for a second. And I, I meant to get back to this earlier when we were talking about last year and, and Don has touched on last recruiting cycle some. But I think even though North Carolina missed on you know, some big targets like Dax Hollifield, for example. Uh, the close of the 2018 class was one of the biggest in my memory, uh, at least under Coach Fedora. Typically, they'll have their entire class basically set by signing day, and they, they might be looking at one guy maybe to make a decision on signing day. Um, but you know, this year, the one year we chose not to have a, uh, an IC signing day party Whose decision was that that was mine. Um, (laughs) but, but I'm going to change that for next year. We're going to have it in February next year. Like we've typically do, but you know, the reason planning it up to the, to that point, I'm thinking, well, North Carolina, you know, they're not really going to, to close, you know, on signing day with a lot of, you know prospects because typically they don't but they did and so that was different uh had a different vibe to it and it's just we're on that theme of previous uh signing days under larry fedora so you know that maybe have set the table for this completely different vibe we're getting uh going into uh or considering the class of 2019 we're only on mock class 1.0 which we could probably use to line our bird cages with. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I, I just think that it, it's a interesting topic that this year really does feel different in a lot of ways. Some of these guys we don't know a lot about, uh, like Baker and, uh, you know, maybe even to a lesser extent, Pascal, even though he's previously been, um, on the uh, UNC staff before as a graduate assistant. But but Tommy Thigpen and Robert Gillespie are regarded as two of, you know, maybe at least the top 20 recruiters in the nation. Um, you know, they're very, very good at what they do. And, uh, and, and this class of uh, coaches appears to me, and Don, I think, has alluded to the same thing, have been brought in to really focus on the recruiting aspect more so than the coaching aspect. So uh, even though obviously you just can't have somebody that can't coach their position, but assistant coaches usually kind of get pegged one way or the other Uh, early in their careers are known more for recruiting than they are coaching or known more for coaching than recruiting. And, And I would overall examine the coaching changes as more of an upgrade in recruiting than in coaching. And, and I think this class is going to be a big test of that to see how quickly they can hit the ground running. Well, kind of in keeping in line with that, then Buck, I wanted to ask Don one question to kind of start wrapping this one up, you know, let's uh, get a little bit of some of that scoop Don that you might be able to <laughs> share with us here. 
we've talked if a he, lot if, about he, if he's not going to tell me over the phone personally do you think he's going to share that with uh i'm waiting for you to invite me to your house if you invite me to your house for dinner you know <laughs> you'll bring out the good wine and everything i mean then i'm going to empty my suitcase like brian doan did you sound like somebody else i know you want some romance is what you want <laughs> That's it. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, we've talked about how this class is just the vibe is a little bit different. You know, the start to the class is different than what it was from a year ago. There were some unique circumstances in 2017 that may contribute to that. But Don, looking forward, how do you really see this class kind of shaping up? Do you think it is going to be one of these years where guys appear out of left field? You know, Carolina gets some surprise visits at the last minute that end up committing. You know, what's your kind of take on this right now? Or is it even possible to have a take at, at this point? I mean, I think it's it's very difficult to have a legitimate take at this point because there will be some there will be guys who right now we have no idea who they are. The coaches have no idea who they are that will end up signing with North Carolina because there are guys who just emerge, you know, have good senior seasons. Oh, um, oh God, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Let me look it up real quick. Sorry, I know this is not. Joshua Azidu is an example of a guy who, yeah, he was on UNC's radar, but he was basically kind of tossed aside as a guy who the coaches kind of decided they weren't going to offer about, about this time a year ago. And then he has his great senior season. He has offers from North Carolina and a bunch of other Power 5 schools. And now he's part of the class. Um, another guy, Gavin Lewis, he was definitely not on North Carolina's radar whatsoever. He wasn't on North Carolina's radar until Tommy Thigpen came over in January. And he's a part of this class. So there's going to be surprises. I can list a thousand of, of them for multiple years. There's going to be guys who we're not talking about right now that we have no idea who they are who are going to be part of this class. As far as how it's going to shape up, it's just it's so hard to predict because of just all the variables that are involved. Uh, I mean, I think that uh, North Carolina is going to have a solid class. It's probably not going to line up with uh, last year's class, which was a very good class. It was the best class of uh, Larry Fedora's uh, tenure at North Carolina. But um, I think North Carolina is in line for, for a very good class. They're in the mix with a lot of um, – top targets uh, they're not going to get all of them but you know the more that you're involved with the more that you're a legitimate contender with the more uh, the more that you're going to end up landing and i think north carolina is going to going to land some guys that um that the fans are going to be happy with you have anything to jump in there buck nope nope uh it, it, just uh to to assure everyone that uh any comment that i've made that uh, portrays don in a negative light at all is uh, to uh, take that with a grain of salt and uh, to assure everybody that, including Don, that, uh, you know, he's the best in the business. And when there's information to, to get out there, we're going to get it out there. And you need to get on uh, InsideCarolina.com and become a subscriber if you want the real inside scoop on UNC football recruiting. Either that or invite Don. I'm sorry, Don, you could invite them to the, you could invite Don to your house, but yes, you know, and if you, you, go. you have some good wine, a good dinner, then yeah, I'll, I'll give you some more information. 
a little mood music. That that would be the super premium that's always talked about on the message boards. There you go. There you uh, go. That's that. You know, I've always wondered. I, I figured that, you know, you had to get access to the Inside Carolina helicopter, and then it would take you to <laughs> exactly. where the icy Illuminati meet. But I do appreciate the kind words from uh, Buck. It, it does mean a lot. All right, you guys. Well, thanks for jumping on here with me. We'll go ahead and wrap this one up. As I mentioned, Don, you and I will be back sometime uh, recording over the weekend to discuss uh, the new commit and you know to kind of just do a wrap up on how the football recruiting, what's new, what's changed over the last week. So stay tuned for that, everyone. But Don, Buck, thank you guys for joining me. Thanks, right, John. Thanks. It's always fun. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.